disorder. Disorder. It's something that's very frustrating, isn't it? Like, I believe that things need to be in order. I believe things need to be clean. I'm a big clean guy. I'm like Mr. Clean, but with hair, right? Like, I, like I'm a neat freak. And, and I remember one time I was talking to my grandpa in North Dakota, and he has a garage just full of tools. He's got so many tools. Um, and, and I made a comment about it, and he was like, yep. He's like, and every tool has a purpose, and every tool has a place it goes. And I was like, okay, I'm with you. I'm digging it. Because, like, I, I think things need to be put in order. I, I think everything does have a place and a purpose and, and where it's supposed to be. But I think of it like this. Where do, where do messes come from? Now, sometimes, yes, a little kid spills something, whatever. But for the most part, what happens when a room gets cluttered when the kitchen gets messy, when, when whatever it is, is what happens is someone grabs one item and they leave it somewhere else. And, and then a little bit later, another item comes out. Excuse me, I just burped. Another item comes out and it gets put somewhere and it doesn't get put back where it belongs. And then another, and then suddenly your, your sparkling, clean, beautiful bedroom that was like so perfect looks like a tornado hit it. Why? Because there's no order. Because you don't have things where they're supposed to go because you took them out. And what eventually happens, it turns into something big, it turns into something unmanageable, and it turns into something that's overwhelming. You guys ever experience this where the mess is just so bad that it's like overwhelming, you don't even know where to start? Anyone? No, it's just me, right? You experience something like that, right? Why? Because things were out of order. Right, things weren't where they're supposed to be. Today, in, in his letter to the Corinthian church, Paul is actually talking to them about order, about how God intended things to go, about God's plan when it comes to order, not just in the world, but in the church. And he starts it off in verse 1. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And then in verse 2, I'm going to read through a lot of this really fast because we have a lot to cover. But in verse 2 through 12, it says, I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the traditions just as I pass them on to you. But I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is man and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is the same as having her head shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, she might as well have her hair cut off. But if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, then she should cover her head. A man ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. It is for this reason that a woman ought to have authority over her own head because of the angels. Verse 11, nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as woman came from man, so also man is born of woman, but everything comes from God. Number one, if you're taking notes, I know this sounds really confusing, but number one, we need order. The reality is we as humans, if we can throw that first slide up, we need order. 
We got it? Yeah, there we go. Um, as humans, we need order. We need to be told how to do certain things. We, we need an order that we answer to. We need law. We need rules. Because without those things, what happens? Chaos, right? Without order, the world turns into our messy bedroom, right? We, like, God looks on at us, and he sees, you guys good over there? What's that? A notebook? I think we're out of them. I'm sorry. But that's all right. We'll get you one next time. I'll get you one after service. I, I have some in my office, all right? We need order. Because without order, it's chaos. Right? So Paul's writing this, and this sounds really weird because uh, all you're hearing is this stuff about, like, head coverings and whatnot. And you're looking around the room, and right now the girls don't have their head covers. So you're like, wow, they're all disgraceful and shameful, right? And then you see some guys whose heads are covered, and they have hats on or whatever. Jake's over there with a hat on. You're like, wow, Jake, you're breaking the law right now. How dare you, right? Like, understand in Scripture... Scripture is God-breathed. Scripture is authority in our life. We believe it comes from God. It's inspired by God. We do what Scripture says. But for some of Scripture, and I want to be so careful how I say this, you've got to look at the culture of the time. Because the command here that God is speaking of does not pertain necessarily to head coverings. But this was a thing in the culture of those days. But what he's really talking about is not head coverings, but headship. He's not talking about head coverings, but he's talking about order. And he goes on this little rant, and he says uh, in verse, uh, I just totally lost it. In verse 3, I want you to realize the head of every man is Christ, and the head of woman is man, but the head of Christ is God. So what does he do? He's giving us order. He's saying first comes God. God is the head of everything. And then it's interesting, then he says, but then comes Christ. Christ is, is next in line in headship, but then following Christ is what? Is, is man. And then after that is woman. I don't know if you guys noticed, but I kind of put it like this, and I didn't necessarily put it like this. Why? Because then he goes on to describe some other things in what this looks like and what this order is. But he says, headship in the church is God. Christ, man, woman. We're told Jesus is subject. Jesus answers to the Father. But it's interesting because isn't Jesus God? Yeah, he is. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Jesus is God. They're equals. Right? He's not inferior to God. But then he says another interesting thing. It's a really unpopular verse. And, and girls, hear me out. But then he says, and then man is head over woman in the church and in the home. Husband is the head of the wife and the home and man. And, and girls, I want you to understand this. It's not saying man is better because we're actually equal. There, there's equality, but we need a certain order. And if there's not headship, what happens? It's chaos. Everyone thinks they're in charge. Everyone thinks they're running things. But this is for the home and this is for the church. This is not saying, girls, every one of you answers to every guy in this room. That is not what this is saying. <laughs> so don't let the boys being here be like, I'm a man. Listen to me, woman. Like, that is not what this means at all. Listen, 
Under authority does not equal inferiority. But this is the plan for a man who is submitting to Jesus. Right? We, we need this order because if everyone is in charge, no one is in charge. Right? But a man, technically, in the church as a pastor or an elder has authority over a woman and a husband in his house has authority over woman. This doesn't mean women can't pray. This doesn't mean women can't prophesy. This doesn't mean women can't lead worship. This just simply means it's under the authority of the pastor, of the elder in the church. Why? Because we need order. But here's the problem that I see in the church today, and you guys probably see it in the world today, and it's unfortunate, but here, here's the problem. Men need to step up. Men need to step up. What do I mean? You guys haven't really experienced this very much unless you went to one of these events, but our women's ministry does an event every year, twice a year, called The Gathering. And it's women of all generations, of all ages, and they gather together, and they worship, and they dig into the Word, and the sanctuary is packed. And then our men get together and do a men's event, and it's just crickets. There's thousands of women in the sanctuary, and then there's like a hundred men in the theater for the men's event. We have an issue in the world today, and the issue is not women wanting to lead, but the issue is men don't step up and lead the way God has called them to. Men don't step up and be the spiritual leaders in homes. You know what we see in most broken homes? We don't see a lot of broken homes where it's the dad who's alone with the kids. It happens, but what we typically see is a mom who is alone with the kids because the dad didn't want to be a man and, and ditched and left. That's what our world looks like today. Men need to step up. And I'm saying this now, I know you boys are in middle school, but you're going to grow up one day and you have an opportunity to change what this looks like. And when I say men need to step up, I don't mean you need to step up and be like, I'm a man, listen to me, do what I say. But you need to be a man who falls in love with Jesus, who points his friends to Jesus, who points uh, his wife to Jesus one day, his kids to Jesus one day, and steps up and leads in the way that God has called you to. But this is why male authority is being rejected today, because men haven't stepped up. It's so sad. I, I used to go every year with CCA to the Bahamas. And every school we'd go to to share Jesus and share the gospel, all the teachers were women. Any place you'd go, people working. It was almost like any place. It was all women working. And you're like, where are the guys? Where are the men? They're off doing drugs. They're off selling drugs. They're just off doing, doing whatever they want. And it's a problem we see throughout the world today that men aren't stepping up. So now what's happening is male authority and authority in general is being rejected more and more and more. Why? Because we've gotten rid of order in the world. I don't know if you guys have experienced that at school or you've probably gone on like TikTok or Twitter and you see these videos where like people are fighting and, and yelling and throwing stuff at the teacher and the teacher is just standing there and you're like, what are they doing? because we've stripped people of authority, because we reject authority, because we've gotten rid of order in the world today, right? You guys sit and you watch these videos, and everyone's sitting there filming what's going on, and it's like, where are the adults? The adults aren't there because we've rejected authority. We've gotten rid of the way order is supposed to look in the world, so we have anarchy, we have chaos, we have disorder. It's awful. 
So he gives us this order where he says we submit to Jesus as men. And when we're submitting to Jesus as men, we will lead women in the way we are supposed to, which is putting them above ourselves. But this whole thing of authority being rejected, of disorder, this is Satan's strategy to bring society down. I don't think any of you would look on and say the world is better today than it was pre-COVID. When anyone look on and be like, yeah, honestly, like that war in Ukraine, it's like so much better than like than when there wasn't a war, <laughs> right? All of these like, all these protests, all, all these, these people marching into different capitals and places, all, all, all of these burnt buildings being burned down, all this fighting on TV, all this stuff they're trying to put into schools. Like, I don't think anyone would look on and say we're in a better place today than we were four years ago. Why? Because Satan's strategy is working. He's getting rid of order. He's getting rid of the headship of God, the headship of Jesus, the headship of Christ. And he's having everyone put all their... So, listen, with all this progress, is our world really a better place today? Can anyone look on and say that? I hate it. It's awful. I hope I've convinced you guys that we need order. And... I love how he ends this in verse 11 and 12. He basically says, and men and women need each other. Listen, guys, if you ever think you're better than, than girls, just know you wouldn't be here without them. <laughs> think about that. You literally wouldn't exist if it weren't for girls. <laughs> right? If I ever think I'm better than my wife, I have to remind myself that she created a human inside of her and carried him around for nine months, and I can't ever complain about anything that I feel. <laughs> I just can't, right? Like women, honestly, women, y'all are better leaders than us. And I think that's the reason why God has men lead because it challenges us. You guys are stronger than us. If I'm just to be honest, you're probably better communicators than us. We're just big kids and we're stupid. So God wants to grow us into leaders. You're naturally good at it. So in a way you have to resist what you feel like you can do. It's submitting to God. Submit to what he's called you to do, but we need each other. And girls, honestly, if you ever feel like you're better than men, you wouldn't exist if it weren't for a man as well. It takes a man and a woman to bring a human into the world. We need each other in the same way we all need Jesus. So then what happens, verse 13 says this, judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him? But that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. For long hair is given to her as a covering. If anyone wants to be contentious about this, we have no other practice, nor do the churches of God. Number two, disorder leads to chaos and confusion. So what's happening here, guys? Once again, cultural. We're talking about hair length. Guys, if you're in the room today and your hair is a little longer, no, you're not in sin. But here's, here's what happened. In those days, women naturally had long hair. It was a cultural thing. It was something that identified you as a woman, right? Men had shorter hair than women. It was naturally something that identified you as a man. The women who had short, buzzed-off hair in that day, please, I'm not calling anyone out on this, typically were prostitutes then. It was a cultural thing. But here's very simply what Paul is telling them here. Disorder leads to chaos and confusion. And we'll relate to this today. He's saying a man shouldn't look like a woman and vice versa. You want chaos? 
You want disorder. You want confusion. Look at our world today. Right? Go ask certain people, what is a woman? And it'll blow your mind the answers that people come up with. Paul's saying, I want to make this very simple. There's men. They look like men. They act like men. And there's women. And they look like women. And they act like women. There should be a distinction between man and woman because we're different. We want the glory of male and female on display in the church. If God created you a man, he created you a man for a reason, and it's beautiful. If he created you a woman, he created you a woman for a reason, and that is beautiful. But now we live in this world of craziness, of chaos, of confusion, of dysphoria. Why? Because when we don't have order, when there's disorder, it leads to chaos. It leads to Satan's strategy. Get rid of authority. Get rid of order. Get rid of simple things. I heard a pastor, pastor, doesn't deserve this title, who recently spoke and he said, man, you know what? God decided to make it male and female. And I wish, I wish he would have made it more simple. I wish he would have done A, B, C, and D. And I'm like, wait a minute. A, B, C, and D sounds more confusing than A and B. Four options sounds more confusing. God made it simple. We've created chaos. We've created confusion. We need order because disorder leads to chaos and confusion. Listen, now it gets interesting because he changes the subject completely, but he doesn't really. Verse 17. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. So sad, division in the church, right? And to some extent, I believe it. Verse 19, no doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then when you come together, it is not the Lord's supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this manner. So what's happening? They used to have these things called love feasts. And it's like a potluck. You guys know what a potluck is? Everyone brings food and everyone eats everyone's food. It's really cool. People come together. They share in their things. And everyone gets to eat and everyone gets to enjoy dinner. So they would do this thing called the love feast every week. And, it, and then it would end in the Lord's Supper. They would take communion together. But what happened is they lost the order of this. They lost the authority in this. They lost the headship in this. There was so much division in the church that the rich people weren't sharing their food at the feast. They were actually at home eating their food first before they came. They weren't sharing their food, which as someone who has a lot, especially as a Christian, you should be willing to give to those who don't have as much or don't have any or have little. We're actually going to give you, I forgot to tell you at the beginning of uh, my teaching, but when you guys leave today, if you go downstairs and go outside, we're going to have supplies for you to pack love bags, which is like socks, like a snack, a candy, write a card. And we want to challenge you guys just to pack one of those and, and to give it to a homeless person, to bless them in the name of Jesus. Say, I want to give this to you. you I, I've been blessed. My church has been blessed. We want to be able to bless you with something. So you'll have that opportunity to do that when you leave today downstairs. You can check that out after service. But the rich weren't sharing their food at the weekly feasts. They were actually at home getting drunk. But I love what Paul tells them. He basically says this in verse uh, 22. Uh, he says, uh, 
Do you despise the church uh, of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. He actually said in verse 22, don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Here's what Paul says. If you don't want if you don't, if you want to be that way, stay home. If you want to act like that, if you want disorder, if you want chaos, if you want division, if you want confusion, if you don't like the way God has set authority down and order down, if you don't like that, stay home. And I would say fill in that blank. If you want to blank, stay home. Seriously, like, like to you guys, and I don't, I don't mean this in a mean way, but the church is for the believer. That's how God created the church. He created this as a place for us to grow, to be equipped, and to go out. Right? So if you want to come here and be a distraction, just stay home. If you want to come here and have your AirPods in the whole time, just stay home. I know that sounds mean. I know that sounds harsh. But this is what Paul is telling them. Like, don't come to church. Just stay home because we don't need more division. We don't need more chaos. We don't need more confusion. We don't need more distractions. But I love what he does. He, he calls them out, but then he points them to Jesus. Verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Number three, focusing on Jesus helps restore proper order. If I could have our leaders, we have some communion elements in the back. I'd love to get those passed out. They're just in like red solo cups. There's a lot of them. If you guys could just help us pass those out. Worship team, if you guys want to help too. If you're in the room, shh, no one should be talking. If you're in the room and you're a Christian, shh, no one should be talking. Go ahead and grab one of those elements. Hold it. Don't open it. Don't eat it. Because we're going to talk about this. Focusing on Jesus helps restore. You guys can look up here. Look up here. They'll bring the elements over for you. Focusing on Jesus helps restore proper order. You good? So what happens? On the night Jesus was betrayed, they were actually partaking in your typical Passover meal. Passover celebrated Israel's deliverance from Egypt to the promised land. They were all in slavery. There shouldn't be talking. I don't know why it's confusing. Over here. I have, God's given me this really weird gift called ears. And when you talk, I can hear you. So when I say shh, and you keep talking... I, I, I hear it. It's weird. A lot of you guys probably haven't ever experienced that. So Jesus is having this meal with his disciples. He's 12 hours away from being brutally murdered on the cross, being beaten, being tortured. And he pulls out some bread. Don't open it yet. Just hold it. 
and he pulls out some bread, and, and what you would typically see on, on that bread when they cook it, it was unleavened, it didn't have yeast in it, so it's kind of flat bread, but it was cooked in a fire, and you would see like the scorch marks on this piece of bread. And Jesus holds this up, and he sees these scor- scorch marks, and he probably sees some holes in it from being baked, and he's reminded of, of the whip he's about to face, the rod he's about to face. These marks, you guys, something funny about that? Something funny? I wouldn't, I honestly probably wouldn't take that if you think that's funny. You guys good? Done talking? Done laughing? Like, I'm dead serious when I say this. And we're going to talk about it in a second. But, like, if you're not a Christian or you can't focus on it, don't take it. Just don't. It's pretty simple. can hold it together for like 30 minutes guys it just like god loves you guys so like stinking much like so much the world today sucks so much like like my wife and I, I'm going off on a tangent here, but like my wife and I, like one of our biggest conversations is how the heck are we going to raise our son in this world today? Because this world is horrible. I hate it. It's awful. I just talked about it. It's not better today than it was four years ago. It's not better today than it was 20. Like It's awful. It's horrible. The confusion, the, the junk you guys deal with. Your life's not easy at all. The, the junk you see on TikTok, the junk you see on the news, the, the junk you're taught in school. If it's okay to use, like, a bad word, I totally would because that's what that stuff is. It's horrible. This world is terrible. The world you guys have to grow up in is so difficult. It's so hard. You have so many people telling you lies. Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. Like, he hates you guys. He hates you. He hates you. He hates you. But as much as he hates you, Jesus loves you even more. Like, he loves you guys so much, and he's got so much better. This world is so chaotic and crazy, and there's so much disorder in it, but yet he looks on, and he says, I love you, I have a plan for you, you are my masterpiece, you're perfect because of what I did for you on the cross. I've got more for you, I've got better for you. Talking to your friend might, right now might seem more important, but it's not. It's not, he's got more for you. Whatever that text that came in, whatever's on your social media, it might seem more important. I saw a student this weekend, I won't say who it was, but that I saw with such a hard heart this past weekend with tears in their eyes because Jesus was speaking to their heart and it just wrecked me because it was so beautiful. Like he spoke so clearly to, to this student and it was just, it was such a beautiful thing. And, and Jesus wants to do that to each of you. He wants to speak to each of you. He wants to have a personal relationship with each of you. So much so that he literally took this bread, broke it apart, said, this is my body broken for you. Like I, like, I was beaten for you. Like, if right now someone came in the room and was threatening to, like, kill all of you, and I said, no, take me instead, and they brutally tortured me in front of you, I think you guys would remember me the rest of your lives. Like, man, Pastor Sean died for us. Yeah, I want to live that message he was preaching. Right, and then he takes this cup of wine and he says, this is my blood that was shed for you. My blood that was shed on the cross. So he institutes this thing called the Lord's Supper and he tells us when we take it, we should, we should give thanks and we should remember how he died on the cross being tortured, but he did it willingly. 
It's crazy. He wasn't forced to. Not a lot of people intentionally go and die for someone. <laughs> but, but he did it for you. And Paul tells us when we do this, we, we take this, we eat it, we drink this to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. But then he says in verse 27, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. I'll repeat that one more time. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. It sounds a little harsh, and you even wonder what that means. And I'm not saying this is exactly what's going to happen, but there's these two people, Ananias and Sapphira, who bring judge, the judgment of the Lord on them in the book of Acts, and they literally die. Like the body and blood of Christ is not something to be taken lightly. But when we start to focus on Jesus, what happens is order starts to be restored. Order in, not just in the world around us, but order in ourselves. We examine ourselves. And it doesn't say we have to be worthy to take it. Notice it doesn't say that. But we take it in a worthy, worthy manner. We're worthy to take it because he died for us. He made us worthy. He made us good enough to take it. But this is a beautiful thing that we get to do. It's not a snack. It's not a buffet. Don't ask if there's seconds. This is a very serious thing. It's not a time of mourning or sorrow. It's a time of celebration and remembrance. But here's the thing, guys. Communion is for the believer. And it's actually for the believing sinner. The reality is we're all sinners, but our sin should drive us to Jesus, not away from him. We should embrace this running to him, not away from him. He loves us, and he wants us to do this to remember what he did for us, to remember that he has more for us, that he has better for us. I told you guys to turn to Colossians 1. You don't have to, but I want to read one verse, verse 18. We'll close. It says, and he is the head of the body. That's Jesus, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. When we focus on Jesus, proper order is restored. He is the head of the church. See, the problem they were having in the church of Colossae, in the book of Colossians, is they were trying to cut off the head. They were turning to everything else but Jesus. Sounds like our country today, right? Jesus is getting kicked out of schools. Jesus is getting kicked out of courthouses. Jesus is getting kicked off TV. Jesus is getting kicked out of everything. People don't want anything to do with Jesus. The problem in our world today, guys, is I tell you we live in a hard world. The problem in our world is not black, white, Asian, Hispanic, straight, gay, lesbian, transgender. It's not any of those things. The problem in our world and in our country today is we are trying to cut off the head. The problem in our world and our country today is Jesus is not the head. And anytime there's something in our life above Jesus, we have cut off the head. It's what's wrong with our world, and it's what's wrong with us. Is we've cut off the head. We've gotten things out of order. We don't have the proper order. We're the body of Christ. We need the head. We need him to lead us. We need him to guide us. And there's a stupid thing called sin. I, uh... I remember one time I was out on a boat fishing. I got so sick. I was getting so seasick. 
And when you get that really like that, that horrible sickness feeling, like you basically have two options. You can wait it out and hope it goes away or you can throw up, right? And I hate to throw up. And I feel like so often this is what we do with our sin is we sit and we hold on to it and we hope it goes away, goes away, goes away. And it just doesn't. And it doesn't. It's funny, we're out fishing, we're not catching anything. And I finally, finally, I just barf into the water. I'll do everything I can to not throw up, but in this moment, I, and it's funny, as I'm sitting there barfing, one of the lines goes, and we catch a fish. And it was such just a picture to me, not in the moment, but later on, of like, this is like sin in our life. When we're willing to just let it go, the blessings come. When we're willing to put Jesus first, like the blessings start to come. It's not like a prosperity thing. It's not like he just gives us good things. But what happens is those things that are hindering you, those things that are stopping you, Right, you let go, you give it to him. Worship team, you guys can come up. So this is what I want to do. As we get ready to go into our time of worship, I don't have communion. Can someone bring me a cup? <laughs> I forgot to bring one up. I'm sorry, guys. I want to partake of communion together. Oh, oh who's going to win? Sorry, he, he, he beat me to He beat you to it. You can have one. But this is what I want to do. I want to examine ourselves. I want to search ourselves. If there's anything that you've put above him in your life, it could be a relationship, it could be a TV show, it could be a game, it could be a sports league, it could be talking in church. I don't know what it is, but just give it to him. Let go of it, throw it up. Not literally, please, I don't want to clean it up, but just let go of it. And when we sit and we take his body, we drink his blood, we remember what he's done for us. So I just want you to just take a second, spend a moment thanking him, Bible says, give thanks when you do this. Thank him. Remember what he's done. And if there's a way that proper order needs to be restored in your life, ask him to do that. And then we'll take together. So take just a second and do that.